I hope you know the deal by now for the third hour of the morning after on a weekday basis here on SiriusXM and all across the Sports Grid Network. When we get to the third hour, because it's happy hour, like football teams heading to the fourth quarter who put their fours up, we put our threes up right here on the morning after happy hour, our third and final hour, all the way up until noon Eastern. You are listening on SiriusXM channel 204. And I'm your host once again, Ben Stevens. It is a huge day in the sports calendar. NBA action, the second day of the NBA season. We are in the second week of the NHL season. A couple of games on the ice tonight as well. A great college football matchup on a Wednesday. Coastal Carolina and App State out there in Boone, North Carolina. And of course, Major League Baseball postseason action. Last night, game number three. Chavez Ravine, Los Angeles, California. Dodger Stadium the Dodgers and the Braves and the Dodgers coming back down from five to two down 2-0 in the series they're down three runs in the bottom of the eighth frame and they score four runs to take the lead and eventually get the win as Kenley Jansen comes in and closes out the game in dramatic fashion it was a three-run tying home run off the bat of Cody Bellinger that even this game up at five and then Mookie Betts an RBI double to score Chris Taylor was the eventual game winning run and the game winning RBI for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So now the Dodgers and the Braves in this NLCS Atlanta still holds a one game advantage. They are leading this series two games to one. But there is life once again for the LA Dodgers plus 168 was Los Angeles entering game number three last night at Dodger Stadium in the series price now the series price is even minus 108 on both sides game number four tonight out in Los Angeles the Dodgers and the Braves a quick check here of the updated game four odds and in fact they have worked in the favor of the home team tonight the LA Dodgers minus 220 on that money line price for tonight against the Atlanta Braves the Braves have yet to name a starter as of last check they are plus 184 the Dodgers have named a starter. His name, Julio Arias, the only 20-game winner in the regular season across all of Major League Baseball. He has pitched three separate times here in the postseason. Game number two against the Giants, game number five against the Giants in the NLDS in a relief effort, and then in game number two of this series in the eighth inning against the Atlanta Braves. Ten innings of work, all things told. Four hits, four earned runs, nine strikeouts, for Julio Rios at this point. In fact, let me check the numbers there. Four hits, or nine hits, four earned runs, 12 strikeouts. Those are the updated numbers. I never want to steer you in the wrong way here on the morning after. But Julio Rios came in just a couple of nights ago, Sunday night in Atlanta against the Braves in game number two in the eighth inning. At that time, the Dodgers had a 4-2 lead in game number two over the Braves. Dave Roberts inserts Julio Rios into that relief role they call him the x factor for this pitching rotation in the postseason julio rios allows two earned runs atlanta comes back to tie the game and then eventually win game number two in walk-off fashion to take that 2-0 series lead at the time now it's a 2-1 series lead and it will be julio rios's innings of work yet again on a short bit of rest he threw on sunday he threw on thursday of this past week in game number five of the nlds against the Giants so a ton of work for Julio Rios in a very short amount of time as we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here the third and final hour of the morning after right here on Sports Grid you're listening on Sirius XM channel 204 the mightier 1090 out on the west coast this is our west coast wake up 
previewing game number four of the National League Championship Series between the Los Angeles Dodgers at home tonight and the Atlanta Braves. A shout out to Spectrum Sportsnet LA, the home of the Dodgers that carries the morning after each and every weekday out there in the Los Angeles area. So the Dodgers again, game number four tonight. Julio Rios on the bump, LA, a minus 220, staunch home favorite yet again this evening against the Braves, plus 184 on the money line as the underdogs, no starter named as of yet for Brian Snitker and the Braves entering game number four. When you look at that team total or the game total overall, I should say, the over-under right now is eight. Compare that to the ALCS where we have seen tons of offense. Game number five of the ALCS at Fenway Park tonight, the over-under is nine and a half. It is eight tonight for the Dodgers and the Braves. One person to know, the Atlanta Braves offense has been very good. That lineup has stepped up in a huge way since losing Ronald Acuna Jr. back before the All-Star break in the regular season. They've had guys contribute in big ways. Of course, Frederick Freeman has been leading the way, although slightly cold here in the postseason in the NLCS. Ozzie Albies has been great. Eddie Rosario has been fantastic. And Austin Riley right now is the favorite to win the MVP of the NLCS on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 1,600. Austin Riley in this series against L.A., 4 of 11, a home run, two doubles, three runs scored, three RBIs in this NLCS against the L.A. Dodgers. A name to look out for. He had a big hit in that eighth inning against Julio Arias back in game number two in Atlanta. But it's home at Chavez Ravine for the Dodgers tonight. Arias on the bump. No starter named yet for the Braves. One more time, the Dodgers, minus 220 as the favorites on the money line, plus 184 are the Atlanta Braves as the underdog. The over-under total is eight. The Dodgers and the Braves have the same price in the series price at minus 108. The two shortest scores in the series correct score market, LA to win this series in seven, plus 270. LA to win this series in six, plus 290. Game number four, NLCS. Game number five, ALCS out at Fenway tonight as well. So much to get to. We look back at the NFL as well. A bye week for the Dallas Cowboys. Freddie Tinker joins us to break down Dallas on the other side of the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. A very busy month in the month of October. All of the sports happening right now. Our focus for this segment is on the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys, the NFC East, and even a couple of other picks around the league for week number seven. Because we are joined, as we always are, by Brady Tinker, the host of a Cowboy Life podcast, has been covering the Dallas Cowboys for many, many years. Brady, great to have you on the show. And right now, I think it's a good point to look at the Dallas Cowboys and how things stand entering week number seven after six weeks of the campaign because the Cowboys are on a bye week. In Dallas right now, the last remaining unbeaten team against the spread in the NFL. They're a perfect 6-0 ATS. They are 5-1 and straight up, and they have looked oh so impressive. So, Brady, as we pull up these odds, so we look at the Dallas Cowboys from an overall perspective at this point entering the bye week, 
Dallas has updated team win total on FanDuel, 11 and a half, and the over has a ton of juice. They are minus 700 right now, substantial odds-on favorites to win the NFC East. They have very short odds to win the NFC overall at plus 550, and their odds to win the Super Bowl getting better by the week, 12 to 1 right now. So, Brady, what do you make of Dallas at this point of the year? Have they surprised you based on their performance so far? Well, anyone who's been watching us uh, since the beginning knows they've surprised me. I picked them to win the division with a total of nine wins. Uh, so, yes, and we were also sort of worried about Mike McCarthy's job in that first two or three weeks if they started 0-2. <laughs> so I'd be lying if I said they didn't surprise me. It all begins with Dak. The coordinators on both sides are doing a brilliant job. And when things are going good, everyone's together. And this team is completely together. And, you know, I was looking, Ben, the other day at their entire schedule, and I sort of thought, hey, or forgot you know, the end of the season, four of their last five games are against the NFC East. And when we began, I said, well, that's you won't know who's going to win this division until you get deep into those last four or five games. Now we look at it completely different. Four of your last five against the NFC East looks like padding for your win total. Yeah, absolutely so. And could be padding for any postseason positioning based on home field advantage. You're seeing a little bit of Dak Prescott throwing the ball around the yard. Of course, the walk-off winner this past week against the Patriots, a 35-yard strike from Dak to CeeDee Lamb. See you later. An overtime winner for the Cowboys against the Patriots in Foxborough. Dak himself entered his post-game press conference in a walking boot due to an injury on that leg, maybe in the calf area. He said he could have kept playing, but with the bye week coming at this point, probably a good thing for Dak to get healthy. What's the latest on Dak's status right now, Brady? Well, he was right. Uh, you know, players know their bodies. He felt like it was just a minor strain. Uh, nobody touched him. Nobody stepped on him. He took court, sort of an awkward throw. He, he held the throw for an extra half a second because in his complete calmness in the situation, he recognized there was a blown coverage and he didn't, needed to let CD come open. Good for everybody. It was a thing of damn beauty. But uh, oddly, he stepped awkwardly or something, maybe even in sort of his exuberance after completing the pass. He said he was going to be fine. They've had MRIs. They've done all the tests, and everyone agrees it's a minor calf strain, which he says you can take it to the bank. I'll wear this boot around because that's what they want me to do, but I will be playing when we come out of the bye, and I believe it. Brady, not just Dak Prescott, but a ton of the Dallas Cowboys getting healthy in this bye week for yeah. the season. That remains. How good is the health right now for Dallas, and what does that mean for them the rest of the way? Well, it's getting there. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence might be another week or two away, but he's a, a really good football player who will help with their pass rush. L. Collins is back this week, or uh, will be back next week. He returns this week to practice. Michael Gallup is a week or two away still. Uh, they have a lot of guys. Tristan Hill, names people don't necessarily know. Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore are going to return this uh, next week as well, and that will shore up a really good rotation in the middle, which will help with their run defense. So, there, there isn't any bad news. There's really not. Amari Cooper isn't stacking up giant numbers, but he's been dinged with a couple of small injuries. Sometimes those may have pushed him to the side. He hasn't allowed it. Everybody is on the same page. I'm telling you, I haven't seen it like this in years. The news pretty much across the board is good, and I'm not worried about Dex Cap. Yeah, the Cowboys are grooving right now. Again, minus 700 to win the NFC East, the longest odds for any favorite in any division across the entire NFC right now as it stands for the Dallas Cowboys. The last remaining unbeaten team against the number in the NFL. Dallas, a perfect 6-0 ATS record, 
five and one straight up and they are moving up the board plus 550 right now as some of these shortest odds to win the nfc conference championship plus 1200 to win the super bowl and brady we have made a lot of dallas's offense and how explosive they can be but really the defense has performed in a very impressive way so far this season specifically highlighting two guys here trayvon diggs who if you throw the ball his way he is going to pick it off and take it back the other way for the Dallas Cowboys. And then Micah Parsons, the rookie linebacker out of Penn State. Right now, Trayvon Diggs at plus 550 has the third shortest odds to win the NFL Defensive Player of the Year on FanDuel. Micah Parsons at plus 200 is the favorite to win the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. How good have these guys been, Brady, and what has impressed you most about the Dallas defense? Well, the, the depth of this team has helped both of those guys because um, – they are able to get off the field some. Micah Parsons is not playing even 70% of the plays most of the time now because he's also lining up quite often at defensive end, and Dan Quinn feels like that's going to take a toll on him. So they are running so many players in and out. They have such amazing depth that it's making these two guys better. Anthony Brown is a name that people have been bashing. Cowboys fans are like, well, if there's somebody on the defense that sucks, it's Anthony Brown. Well, the truth is he rated this week and is now rated as the eighth-rated cornerback overall. He's played more plays than any Cowboy on the team. And Randy Gregory got his first couple of sacks last week. There are more good things happening than just these two. But the good news is you asked the right question. It helps them. It helps both of those guys in their quest to be defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year, because everyone around them is playing well. The defensive coordinator has pure faith that these guys understand the scheme and won't make big mistakes. Now, they did make one mistake last week. Uh, KZ, uh, right after um, right after the returned interception for a touchdown, the safety took a bad angle and, and uh, the Cowboys gave up the lead, which, which caused heroics to need to be brought into play. But overall... Uh, this defense is only going to get better. Demarcus Lawrence is a borderline great football player. So when he gets back, that's going to be a major help to them and to these two guys potentially winning these awards. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been so impressed by what I've seen out of Micah Parsons and, of course, Trayvon Diggs leading the NFL in interceptions, a huge pick six return in that game against the Patriots this past Sunday. Brady, the Cowboys on a bye week, so that allows us to look other areas in the NFL for some of your best picks for this upcoming slate two plays here focusing on the carolina panthers and the green bay packers why do you like both of these sides this upcoming sunday well carolina's lost three in a row so there might be people saying what are you doing but they're playing the new york giants who seem to be almost without a direction joe judge's best thing that he does for the giants is he asks them to play tough and play hard which they do but they just don't play very well I like Carolina bouncing back. Uh, Rule, their head coach, has said, hey, we're going to run the football this week. We're putting too much pressure on our quarterback, back playing good defense and running the football. Even without McCaffrey, uh, Chubba Hubbard's been very good, averaging over five yards a carry. So they're going to win this game, uh, but this game is going to slow down. They're going to slow a bad Giants offense down that has players missing all over the place. They're going to slow them down a little bit and play more of a hard-nosed defensive line football game so i don't have any trouble giving half and i have any trouble at all taking the under at 43 and a half i like it brady and your final pick there the green bay packers against the washington football team so although the cowboys off this week still focusing on the nfc east i love it all i love the graphic and i love our discussion each and every week about the dallas cowboys the nfc east the nfc brady tinker the host of a cowboy life podcast always joining us here to provide that expertise even during a bye week for the boys here on the morning after brady thank you so much we will talk
very, very soon. Coming up on the other side of the break, we have Cam Rogers to break down the PGA Tour, the Zozo Championship this upcoming weekend. Some big names in the field, and you know what Cam does. PGA Tour props to give you the edge, the opportunities and the edges. That's what we do here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 204. We'll be back on the other side of the break. More great picks to have here in Happy Hour. Stay with us on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens, and very pleased to be joined now by Cam Rogers, breaking down everything we need in the PGA Tour. But it doesn't just stop there for Cam. He's the host of the Lock It In podcast for the Believe Podcast Network, covering not only his best golf bets, but also a little NFL, some great interviews as well. Cam, great to have you here on the show, as you are each and every week, to break down some PGA Tour and the Zozo Championship. What's going on, Ben? Great to be with you, my man. It should be fun this week. We're going back out to Japan, and thank you for that plug there with Lock It In. Excited to have you on the program at some point, and many, many other industry experts. It should be fun. I'm glad that you think I'm an industry expert. That really warms <laughs> my heart, Cam Rogers. I know you're an industry expert when it comes to betting on the PGA Tour. So before we look at the future odds for this week, just give us the basics of what we need to know about the Zozo Championship. What are Cam's keys to this event? Yeah, so it seems like we're in the no-cut swing right now, Ben, as far as the PGA Tour is concerned. Another no-cut event this week at the Zozo Championship. Now, like I mentioned, we're playing in Japan. This is a very top-heavy field because this is actually co-sanctioned by the Japan Golf Tour organization. So you'll see a lot of Japanese tour players in the field this week. One of my biggest keys to betting on golf on a week-to-week basis is consolidating your player pool. Don't spread out your money like crazy. Really narrow down things in terms of where you're going to put your cash. And you can really narrow down things this week, Ben, because you can essentially, especially in the outright market, write off a lot, if not all, of these Japanese tour players. No indictment on them whatsoever. We're just having such great talent from the PGA Tour this week. Akegan Bradley, Xander Shoffley, Hideki Matsuyama, Joaquin Neiman. These are the guys that I think are going to rise to the top this week at the Zozo Championship. One interesting note, we're playing on bent grass greens, but these greens in Japan are actually bent and also of different varieties depending on the weather. That's kind of the unique part about Mm -hmm. Japanese golf. So kind of look for that just for fun this week, looking at these greens, they're going to be a little bit larger This is going to be a plotter's type of golf course as well. Not a big emphasis on driving, very much iron game and putter. And obviously when you have four guaranteed rounds, we're always looking at birdie making ability this week. And Cam, you see those future odds right now to pick the winner of the Zozo Championship. Colin Morikawa, very, very short as the favorite at plus 650. Xander Shoffley, who won a gold medal in Japan, 
not far behind at plus 700. I think the casual golf better might look at those two names, names they know, and say, oh, they're the favorites for a reason. How do you advise people to bet on golfers that have that short of odds here for the Zozo Championship? Anytime I see odds like this, plus 650, plus 700 in the outright market, unless this is like an 18-man field, like the Hero World Challenge, I'm out. I mean, I just can't go there. The value, in my opinion, really doesn't stick out to me. It's so interesting, too. You look at the odds, and you go down just a couple of lines, and you're already at 33, 35, 36, 43 to 1. That's where the value is this week, especially when you look at the PGA Tour golfers who are playing well. Not a Tommy Fleetwood, in my opinion. Maybe not a Joaquin Neiman, especially at that number at 20 to 1. But how about Emiliano Grillo at 36 to 1 to win this tournament? I'm thinking he found something on Sunday, Ben. Shot a 62, gaining 7.05 strokes on the field. And we know he can get it done with his ball striking, but he actually was a positive putter in all four rounds last week on the PGA Tour. That's something that you don't see very often from Emiliano Grillo. So when you're looking at a plotter's type of golf course and at that number of 36 to 1, I am so in on that play. And then just sort of sticking around that range there, I mean, Jonathan Vegas at 33 to 1, his ball striking has been great, playing really well in this ball swing. I like that number two. So I'm really looking at that range, not at the top of the board this week. Although Hideki Matsuyama is extremely tempting coming off the Olympics, of course, coming off a good performance at this golf course two years ago, but still 12 to one. I just can't get there. Yeah, when you have the favorites so short on the board, the value is hard to justify, but there might be value on some of these bigger names in the prop market. So Cam, what are some of your favorite prop plays for the Zozo Championship? Yeah, let's start with top American here. Keegan Bradley is at 20 to 1. Who is the number one iron player in this field over the last 24 rounds? It's this guy. And you wouldn't really expect this, but he's actually an Asian swing veteran. He was runner up at the 2017 CIMB Classic and a sixth place finisher at the WGC HSBC in 2018. And the good finishes are very notable but also let's point out to the fact that he is used to traveling out there right we're talking about long flights fatigue it's something to sort of factor in here especially for guys who are not used to playing out there in asia so keegan bradley for a top american at 20 to 1 i like that play a lot alex norn for top european now there aren't a lot of europeans in the field this week that's why this number is so short plus 250 for norn But he's number one in this field over the last 24 rounds in three important categories. Putting on bent grass greens, good drives gained, got to hit the fairways, tight golf course here, and strokes gained on par threes, of which there are five on this golf course. So Alex Noren there for top European makes a ton of sense for me. And then I mentioned this guy earlier for an outright. Jonathan Vegas for top rest of world player, plus 900 as we stand, coming off a solid top 20 finish at the CJ Cup. The elite driver of the golf ball has gained strokes in eight of his last nine events. Number three ranked player in this field in terms of birdies or better. So I like that play as well. So go with the nationality route in terms of my props this week. I love it. I love when you find the value in the prop market. That is where edges 
are to be had. Speaking of not just props, but also some finishing positions, that's where you might be able to also find some profitability and opportunity. Cam, as you look at the top 20 finishing position for the Zozo Championship, who makes that cut in your mind and where is the value in that market? Yeah, am I allowed to brag right now? Because I did sweep the board with three top 20s last week. I just have to say, all right? So let's keep it going here. That's why I'm sticking with these top 20s. Henrik Norlander, plus 190, top iron player in this field inside that top five there. He's top 30 in strokes gained approach, good drives gained, greens and regulation gained, and scrambling, all very critical this week. I like the Swede there for a top 20. Adam Shank is plus 160. These numbers are so short, by the way, because of the very small field that we have. But he finished T3 at the Shriners. He's starting to really knock on the door here in this fall swing. I'm a little concerned about his experience out there in Asia, but we'll see what happens for Mr. Shank. I think a top 20 is very reasonable. Takumi Kanaya, let's go to the Japanese tour, if you will. He's dominating out there. I like him for a top 20 this week, plus 190. Hasn't finished outside the top 20 in seven consecutive events on the Japanese tour. I think he continues that here on the PGA tour this week. And then Matthew Neesmith for a top 20 plus 310 to make that happen. Just ride the iron game and hope for the best with his putter. Fourth best approach player in this field over the last 24 rounds, coming off a pretty decent finish at the Shriners a couple of weeks ago, T12 finish. So Neesmith, Kanaya, Shank, Norlander across the board, four top 20s for you. I love it, Cam. Some of those players I don't even know about. That's how I know you have done your <laughs> handicapping research and you come here with a plan on the morning after. One player I do know who performed very well last week in the CJ Cup, Ricky Fowler, who has not been playing very well here as of late, really going back the last two seasons on the PGA Tour. You will see him on the future outrights board with not the longest odds we have seen on Ricky at 30-1. to 1. Where does Ricky Fowler's game stand at this moment in your mind? Man, I think he found something last week. He gained nine strokes from tee to green, the best mark in the field. That was better than the eventual winner, Rory McIlroy, gained 5.52 strokes off the tee last week. In particular, that's important because that's a big weakness in his game, at least the last couple of years, like you mentioned, Ben. How about this? Who won most recently on the PGA Tour? Ricky Fowler or Xander Shoffley, one of the favorites this week? The answer is actually Ricky Fowler. Can you believe it? Hey. And I guess that sort of goes to show how long it's been for Xander Shoffley to win on the PGA Tour, of course. The Olympics does not count. But back to Fowler, I think he played really well last week. I think he is a momentum type of player. Something lends me to believe he found something, much like Emiliano Grillo did last Sunday at the CJ Cup. I think he's back. Okay. I think he might be back. Remember we talked about this with Jordan Spieth last year. Maybe he's back. Maybe he's back. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. He finally really came through with the Valero Texas Open winning there. I think we're starting to get to Ricky Fowler is back territory. This is not like Texas football, right? This is about serious data here, folks, and serious storylines. And I think Ricky Fowler is on his way. So I like him this week. And that number outright does make some sense to me. Yeah, and if Texas keeps blowing second-half leads, they're never going to be back. They got outscored 35-10 by Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry and then got outscored 19-7 by Oklahoma State last week. Quickly here, Cam, only about 25, 30 seconds. Just something that stood out to me. I was looking at the match betting options. Colin Morikawa is the favorite to win the event, plus 650 over Xander, who's plus 700. In their individual match bet, it's Xander who's favorite at minus 128, 
Morikawa plus 100. What does that mean? Again, there's only like 15 seconds. I just thought I'd offer it up. Yeah, really interesting. I think maybe there's some movement in the outright market and things haven't really caught up in the matchup betting. But I do love Morikawa this week, certainly over Xander in that particular matchup. Morikawa was elite last week in ball striking. I think that carries over this week. Even money, plus 100 on Colin Morikawa, the favorite right now to win the Zozo Championship. Our favorite, Cam Rogers, as always, the host of the Lock It In podcast for the Believe Podcast Network, joining us each and every week to talk about the PGA Tour. Cam, thank you very much. We'll talk next week. More of the morning after on the other side of the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid Sirius XM channel 204. I am Ben Stevens, and now we are joined by our guy DMB, not Dave Matthews Band, somebody even better, Drew Martin Betts. Drew Martin here on the morning after once again to round out our Wednesday episode to talk college football because Drew, on this Wednesday, we might have the best game of the entire week eight slate of the college football campaign this upcoming week because tonight on a Wednesday out in Boone, North Carolina, App State hosts Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers, the number 14 team in the country, they are laying five and a half points on the road. The over under total 61 and a half. In my mind, Drew, the line is a little bit stinky to me. It smells a little bit to me. I'm not sure why Coastal is only favored by five and a half points. What do you say about the line for tonight between Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State? Well, in, 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 tr- in terms of your kind of sense of, of smell there, Ben, talking about why this line is just five and a half, you know, speaking of, of Boone, North Carolina, the highest elevation home field advantage east of the Mississippi River there, and it's a mm. tough place to play. It really is. App State has shown that in the past. However, I'm with you. And, you know, th- minus three was available, guys earlier this week shortly after the opener in las vegas now we're seeing it five and a half and ben i agree with this line move i really do i think app state not that they're not a good team you know a well-coached team is but the fact is just talent wise top to bottom on the roster coastal carolina has has more athletes they got better quarterback play as well they're better on both offensive and defensive lines so that's why i think this move from the opener of of most shops at at three and a half FanDuel included um up to five and a half now i agree with that and i could even see it getting to six six and a half by kickoff i mean some of these moves ben keep in mind it's a singled out game you know nationally televised on a wednesday night there's not a whole lot else for football fans out there to gamble on and I think when they see this move on Coastal Carolina, start doing the research a little more. I think Coastal Carolina wins, wins going away. However, I'm pumping the brakes personally on making a large wager on it just because App State at home, they're in Boone, North Carolina. Can't put up a fight, no doubt about it. Here's my actual best bet for the game. Take in the scenery on an autumn Wednesday in October of Boone, North Carolina and that football stadium for App State. It is beautiful. It is literally carved out 
of a mountainside. That is why the altitude has an effect for that home field advantage for App State. Drew, I also look at this total for this game on a Wednesday, an over-under of 61 in the hook. Coastal Carolina is the second-best scoring offense in the country, averaging 48.2 points per game, yet only three of their six games have hit the over this year. What is your feel for the over-under tonight between that total of 61.5 for App State and Coastal? Sure. In, in App State, just in their last game, they gave up, what, 40-plus points to uh, L- Louisiana. And that Louisiana team, we, we know, is a very talented team. At times, they haven't put it all together this season. But when they got it going with Levi Lewis, they can really put up some points. So I don't penalize them too much. Other than that, Ben, you look down their list, the games, they've held teams, you know, like ACC opponents, like Miami, to, to what, three touchdowns? Uh, teams yeah. like Marshall at, at 30 points. So some pretty good, solid offenses they've kind of hung with. So I would look for them to – to, you know, hold, hold hold Coastal Carolina at bay. I don't think they're going to shut them down by any means. And on the other side of things, I think uh, App State, you know, not a team that's going to run too much up-tempo. At times, they will look to push it. But still, Coastal Carolina and their defense, very, very good. I mean, multiple opponents uh, in the single digits this season. So I think App State's going to have a little bit tougher time offensively. I would actually lean to the under, Ben. Yeah, that's why if you're approaching the total like me, maybe you look at Coastal team total over because Coastal Carolina's team total overs have been very, very profitable so far this year. Coastal 5-1 and one against the number. Their only loss against the spread, their only time they did not cover this year was the second time or the second shortest number in their favor, 14 against Buffalo. They only scored 28 points. This is the shortest number in Coastal's favor all year long. Currently, 5.5 tonight for Coastal Carolina on the road at App State. Moving on past this game on a Wednesday night, Drew, to some of the other action we have in college football week number eight. Not the most illustrious slate we have seen, but a couple of good games out there, including Wake Forest on the road, only laying three and a half points against Army. A big game for the Demon Deeks. Right now, they really control a lot of their destiny in the ACC. This is a non-conference game, but still important for Wake Forest. They're laying three and a half points against Army, Drew. What's your approach to this game? Sure. Looking at Army and Ben, this isn't something I like to do is bet against the academies at times. So in terms of what I'm betting personally here, I'm laying the minus three with the Demon Deacons. And the reason I'm going up against an academy this time is because Army, yes, four and two on the season. Their last two games, though, they dropped one uh, to, to Wisconsin and also to Ball State there. And I talk about talent wise, I think they're going to be up against it against Wake Forest. You know, this Wake Forest team kind of riding under the radar undefeated on the season in the ACC off of a bye week as well. So this this is a well-timed bye week, you know, right in the middle of the season, right before they're playing an option attack. So they get that extra time to prepare for the option. And Wake Forest is a very mature and very well-coached team. You know, they're a program that redshirts a lot of guys. So you get kind of more of that football wisdom on your roster and the fact that their defensive coordinator and head coach, Dave Clawson, have faced the option multiple times throughout their career. Um, actually going back to their defensive coordinator being at Stony Brook, facing this Army team in his previous job, he held him to only three points there with obviously less talent on that defense than he's going to have here with the Demon Deacons. So doing the research on this game, um, again, I don't love going against the academies, but Wake Forest is the side here, Ben. They've been a moneymaker all season long. They've won every game. I know they're going on the road, but with that extra time to prepare here against Army, 
the Demon Deacons are the side. My best bet of the weekend so far. Yeah, Wake Forest, an unbeaten team so far this year. A second tough test for Army. They were on the road in Camp Randall this past week against Wisconsin. Drew and I highlighted that game last week because the over-under total was 39 and a half. And sure enough, that under hit. Army lost that game to Wisconsin. The Badgers winning 20 to 14, going under even a total that small of 39 and a hook. So Wake Forest looking pretty good in the ACC, in the Atlantic Division. Another good team in the Atlantic Division that already owns a win over Clemson, NC State. NC State on the road this weekend, laying two and a half as the road favorites against Miami. Drew, how do you break down this matchup between the Wolfpack and the Canes? Sure, Ben, and I don't want to sound too repetitive, you know, going up against the Miami Hurricanes multiple side times this season, but it's been it's been profitable. And a lot of times, yeah. you know, when you find these teams to go against, just keep riding them. That's how you can build a bankroll in this business. And sure enough, the Miami Hurricanes on them under their season win total. It's already hit here. And talking about Miami up against the better opponents they've faced, they really haven't shown well. Their quarterback Derek King, you know, out for the season. Van Dyke is now taking the snaps. And really watch out if he goes down because I don't believe they're going to have a scholarship player ready to go taking snaps. So that's something to watch going forward with the Miami Hurricanes. Van Dyke, look, projecting out for his career at Miami, I actually think he's going to be pretty good. He's got a good deep ball. He can move a little bit. The fact is he's just so young. What, just a freshman back there? And he's having to go up against NC State here. This is an underrated team and a very underrated defense, Ben. When you're just doing line comparisons, last week they were minus three against Boston College. Boston College was what a, a very good team record-wise in the ACC, and Boston College was off of a bye. They smashed Boston mm. College by, what, more than three touchdowns? Now they're going, yes, yeah. I guess it is a step back going back-to-back -back road games, but still, you're going down to South Florida, and you're facing the Miami Hurricanes that – I wouldn't rank higher than Boston College from a power ranking standpoint. And they're laying that same number. Um, I think the betting markets are, and the odds makers are doing us a favor here. NC State's the side. This defense, I think, is going to dominate Miami. Miami, when you look at Van Dyke, I say, you know, he throws some good deep passes against US, UNC. He did. This is a better defense than that. Their defensive success rate, a top 10 in the country they're going to cause problems in the backfield for the miami hurricanes so nc state at just a short short number here ben is the side for me yeah drew i don't think the books can still come off the idea of miami being too big too big of an underdog to a team like nc state but the pack ranked 18th in the country they have won four straight games they are five and one straight up in four and two against the number inside that number of three only laying two and a half on the road against the Miami team that has been bitterly disappointing this year. I like where the thought process is for that ACC conference game. Another huge Atlantic Coast conference game this upcoming weekend, Drew. We've discussed it a little bit on this show. Clemson, an underdog, getting three and a half points against Pittsburgh in Heinz Field this upcoming Saturday. A huge game from an ACC perspective because Pitt is now the favorite to win the conference on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 110. Clemson, the second shortest odds at plus 300. How big do you think this game will be this weekend, Drew, between Pittsburgh and Clemson for deciding the ultimate ACC champion? 
I think it will be huge. Um, I, I mean, you look at Clemson here, what, 0-6 against the spread, a money burner all season long. And, yeah, to answer your question, this matchup going a long way for the ACC championship uh, kind of outlook here for the Pitt Panthers that have been good. Outside of that loss against Western Michigan, kind of caught them off guard. I believe they lost the turnover battle by three as well, so a little bit misleading in that loss. Nevertheless, they did lose to a MAC team, but it created a lot of betting value on pit and we've seen him cash some tickets here you know a, a stat i saw out there is uh what this is the first time clemson is an underdog to an acc opponent since 2016. that is a wild stat i thought and that was uh lamar jackson in louisville if you're wondering how far back it's been since clemson was an underdog in conference play speaks to what Dabo sweeney has been able to do here in clemson south carolina but talking about this game i don't think it's enough i really don't ben when we look at Clemson, you know, 0-6 against the spread, the trend is your friend. It's not like I'm going to pick this is the time where they're going to cover. And really, you know, when the line is three, you're betting on the team to win the game. At least, at least you think the team has a real strong possibility to do that. And going up against Pitt at home, 5-1 and one trade up, 5-1 and one against the spread. I think the Panthers outlast Clemson here. And they got the better downfield passing attack. I think something's wrong there with the Clemson offense. And until they fix that, it's kind of fade city for me, Ben. So it's uh, it's pit or pass. Yeah, it's a really a battle of polar opposites. Pitt, the fifth best scoring offense in the country. Clemson, the fourth best scoring defense in the country. Pitt, five of their six games to the over. Clemson, five of their six games to the under. Falling under the number by an average margin of 16 and a half points per game. By far the largest margin in all of college football. Pitt, five and one against the spread. Clemson winless 0-6 against the number against FBS opponents this year. Drew, we mentioned it. The Wisconsin and Army total from last week in over-under of 39 and a half. Well, don't look so fast because right now on FanDuel, another over-under total of 39 and a half for a Wisconsin and Purdue game this upcoming Saturday in West Lafayette. It is beautiful to see a 39 and a half total on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Drew Martin, Drew Martin bets DMB plus Money Martin, a man with many names, but a man who always gives you the best breakdowns when it comes to college football. Drew, as always, thank you very much for your time. Big Ten Ben, Ben Stevens, a man of many names as well. Always fun with you, buddy. Uh, have a good rest of the show, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Drew. You are welcome at any time, and we will talk very soon. On the other side of the break, we finish off our three hours here on the morning after with our best bets. It is bye, bye, bye. So many great sporting events this evening, including a college football game. Hint, hint. Stay with us here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our three hours here on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. I am Ben Stevens. But before we say goodbye to you for this Wednesday, before we look forward to Thursday, we have so many great sporting events on tonight. Major League Baseball postseason action. The NBA, day number two of the season, is underway. NHL action on the ice and college football as well. One of the premier games of the Week 8 slate. Boone, North Carolina, 
Coastal Carolina, and Appalachian State. That's my focus for Bye Bye Bye. Come on, you know we're talking some college football to end things out here. A great game on a Wednesday. Coastal Carolina is the 14th ranked team in the country. They are a perfect 6-0. They are 5-1 against the number, and they are favored by 5.5 points on the road tonight against App State. The over-under total is 61.5, but I'm not looking at the game total. I'm looking at the Coastal team total because it has been a trend I have ridden for a very long time throughout this year. The Coastal team total has been profitable, and tonight it's 33.5 against App State. App State just gave up 41 points a week ago to Louisiana. Coastal Carolina is the second-best scoring offense in the entire country, averaging 48 Point two points per game. App State is giving up more than 26 and a half points per game. Coastal Carolina has gone over tonight's team total of 33 and a half. Five out of the six games this year, they are averaging nearly 15 points more than that team total tonight of 33 and a half. Not only is Coastal Carolina the second best scoring offense, they are the second best total offense as well, averaging more than 541 yards of total offense. Coastal Carolina team total over. 33 and a half tonight for a great Wednesday night college football game against App State. We are ending our time here on the morning after for this Wednesday, but we will be back tomorrow on a Thursday. Sirius XM, Channel 204, all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. Enjoy a wonderful Wednesday evening in the world of sports. We'll talk to everyone tomorrow.